Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. California is getting battered with multiple weather events, including one they haven't seen in some 80 years. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now... To get through the news of the Cray, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy is out vacationing this week. What's up, Trey? Happy Monday to you. What's going on? Well, it's a it's a good Monday. And I'm not saying that because Billy's not here. <laughs> All right. We, I'm sure. we love when Billy's here. Yeah. But he's taking a much needed, a much deserved vacation. And so. just one quick note about Billy's vacation. Pray for Billy. He has a hard time vacationing. He really does. He he like he will probably Trey, you know this. He's gonna text us by the end of the day going, Hey, I got four stories uh yes. in the back end there, and we're gonna be like, What are you doing? It's vacation. Stop it. So right. pray that Billy actually vacations yes. on his vacation. Yes. So in the meantime, we have a lot to get through here on the pod today. What do we have coming up on the focus story today, Trey? So the now former comms director for Ohio Right to Life tweeted something that most people, especially Christians, would have no issue with whatsoever, uh, but it landed her in, in some trouble. Wild, so we'll about that. wild story to go through the details on that. I mean, this is basic Christian beliefs here, Christian yes. doctrine. It should not be a shock to anyone, but apparently it was. So we'll get the details on that. Also, Madison Seals on the main thing has the story of a Beverly Hills officials there seeking to shut down prayer in the home. That's very disturbing. We will have that story coming up and more, but first we're gonna get through the news here in 90 seconds. And there is, as I said, some crazy weather happening in California right now. And it's topped off yesterday by an earthquake with a magnitude of 5.1. That was the Southern part of California yesterday afternoon. The USGS reported that the quake originated about four miles to the Southeast of Ojai, California which is around 80 miles to the northwest of Los Angeles. And it happened about 2.41 Pacific time. This all comes as California is dealing with a rarer type of weather event that they're not used to seeing over there. This was a tropical storm. Tropical storm Hillary's center has moved into Southern California. San Diego is gonna face the storm before it moves into the Los Angeles area where more than 9 million people are under flash flood warnings. Hillary moved north along Mexico throughout Sunday, hit Baja California Peninsula, where at least one person died there. The winds diminished a little bit yesterday, but the storm's heavy downpours are bringing the risk of, quote, catastrophic and life-threatening floods to parts of California and even Nevada. And a follow-up on the story we brought you on Friday, police in Pakistan have now arrested more than 100 people for attacking at least 21 churches and vandalizing dozens of homes. This was all over allegations that two Christian men had desecrated a copy of the Quran, according to them. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. And Trey, here we go with the weather. I mean, we had the fires in Maui and now this. It's uh, getting pretty crazy out there. It's interesting to see a tropical storm kind of come in from that direction. It's just one of those things you don't see that often. And so the flooding is a concern. That's those tropical storms. That's usually what they do, just dump a bunch of water 
And so you have all that flooding with California, of course, maybe mudslides would be a concern. And then you throw into the mix something they are used to in those earthquakes. And man, just uh, getting hit left and right here. Yeah, no, it is wild. And I hadn't actually thought about that. that This isn't a kind of weather pattern that you see on the West Coast when we're reading about or talking about these stories. It's usually coming from like Florida, you right. know, you're, it's yeah. something that's going to be pummeling the Carolinas. Like I'm from Virginia, so I'm used to seeing the, you know, the after effects of those storms on the East Coast, but something like that happening on the West Coast. And then right after, as you said, the the wildfires in Hawaii, it, it's just wild. And you, anytime I hear about these storms, like particularly big ones that happen in um, places that they wouldn't regularly happen, or if they're particularly catastrophic, it just is like you get these apocalyptic um, yeah. like, thoughts like, okay, is, is this the quickening of time? Is the Lord coming back? But yeah, it's crazy to think about these stories because natural disasters are something that we read about in scripture and they are heartbreaking, but it just reminds you, as we've talked about so many times on the podcast, how fragile life can be. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And, and also we, uh, Trey and I hosted a prayer event on Friday for Maui and for the people of Hawaii there as they're kind of going through all of this. And we talked to Operation Blessing and they're on the ground there. They're helping there. They've got a team in place that are trying to assist all of the efforts that are going on to help people dealing with that catastrophic event. And Operation Blessing is fantastic with helping in all these different areas. So although I don't have official word yet, I would assume that we're going to have somebody as well heading to California to help with these storms So Operation Blessing, always a great place to go if you are feeling led to help directly and you can't really be there or you're not in that area. Go to ob.org and you'll see how you can help people directly uh, with amazing people over at Operation Blessing. All right, we are going to head over to the focus story now. And the comms director for the Ohio Right to Life was let go for a recent faith-related post. Trey, this was... Quite interesting, as I said at the top. I mean, we're talking standard Christian beliefs here, but apparently there are people who still don't get it. Yeah, this story to me is is just wild, particularly because, as we know, at CBN, anytime we've talked to pro-life activists, people who work in the, the right-to-life pro-life sphere, obviously there are many non-Christians who are who are pro-life, but the vast majority of the leadership that I've ever talked to are Christian, either Protestant or Catholic. So, you know, when, when this happens and you see something, a story like this, it kind of boggles the mind because uh, like you said, what she wrote is completely faith, like is is generic, like mainstream fundamental, you know, at the core Christianity so that she got in trouble for this at all. But especially in the pro-life sphere is just wild, but she's the comms director for the Ohio right to life. Her name is Lizzie Marbach. She's now the former communications director for the chapter of right to life. Uh, She drew a lot of attention on social media because she wrote on Twitter. Well, I guess now it's X. She wrote on X. uh, There is no hope for any of us outside of having faith in Jesus Christ alone which uh, you can't get more just like a succinct uh, <laughs> right. you know, one sentence descriptor of what the gospel is, right? I mean, the verse after verse after verse throughout scripture. If you're a Christian, you know this. This is kind of the foundation of our faith, uh, that Jesus Christ is the only way to achieve salvation. Uh, but nevertheless, that got her uh, in a lot of trouble after a Jewish Republican congressman uh, he responded, he criticized the post, 
uh, because he said that it was, quote, one of the most bigoted tweets uh, he had ever seen. Uh, We should note that he did later apologize, uh, but that was not before the Ohio Right to Life decided to just scrap her job position, uh, Lizzie Marbach's job position, altogether uh, and just remove her from this from this post because of the fact that it upset a lawmaker, a Republican lawmaker, who presumably would be obviously on the side of, of what Right to Life is advocating for. Uh, so that was that was the reaction. This is what happened. Yeah, really super bizarre. Like you said, I mean, this is standard. I mean, that's scripture and you're just relating it. Hey, I don't, how, how dare you be so hateful? And that's essentially parroting the line that the secular left often brings in, you know, to, to criticize Christianity. So how is Lizzie responding to all this? Has she responded? Yeah, so she actually did respond. She wrote an email to the Christian Post, and they were the first ones to actually post about this story. Uh, she said, I've had many upset over my unpopular and harsh posts I had recently made, uh, and I wanted to show uh, some positivity that can all you that we can all unite behind. Obviously, she's talking about some of the, the more politically leaning things that she had written in the past. So she wanted to write something that was really centered on her faith. Uh, she said she's not going to back away from that. Obviously, she doesn't regret that she put up the post. She's not taking it down. She's not apologizing for it. Uh, But the irony here is that she was trying to post something that would be more unifying than something that's kind of political and potentially divisive. So it it seems like she was completely blindsided by the fact that this one tweet, which, as we've both said now a few times, is like mainstream fundamental Christianity, uh, would upset so many people, which I I don't know that it's fair to say that it upset so many people, but it upset somebody who had had some authority. Yeah. uh, Which which led to her her ouster from her her position at, at Right to Life. A shocking, a shocking response, indeed. And is the Right to Life chapter, are they saying anything about this? I'm sure they're getting some flack. So they're not releasing a statement specifically about what went on, but we should note that they are claiming, even though the timing is quite suspect and people are obviously kind of poking holes in this argument, uh, the Ohio Right to Life is trying to make the case that it had nothing to do with the backlash over the tweet that Lizzie posted. Uh, The CEO of Right to Life Ohio, Peter Range, he wrote in a very brief statement, Ohio Right to Life can confirm that Elizabeth Lizzie Marbach is no longer employed at Ohio Right to Life. This decision was not based on any single event at some, as some on social media claim. Uh, we appreciate Lizzie's service and wish her the best in future endeavors. But again, they refused to talk about, obviously it's a personnel issue, so they don't have to talk about it, but they refused to offer really any more clarity on if it's not about the tweet uh, and the timing is, is so closely related to the tweet, then, then what, what is it about? Yeah, right. And you're at, like you said, they're not really inclined to, have to say anything about that, but you would think from a PR perspective, it doesn't look good, you know, from a pro-life, which is most of the people on these pro-life groups, like you said, are Christian. And so to fire them, appearing to fire them over a basic Christian tweet is not a good look for this yeah. organi- for this chapter. And so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But, I, you know, I'm more amazed every day, Trey, about, you know, we've talked about how the secular crowd often misses out on, you know, they think that we're being hateful because we disagree. And it's like, no, actually, we're being loving. You know, it's the old Pendulette statement where he said, look, I, I'm an atheist, but I appreciate when people, you know, evangelize to me because how much would you have to hate me if you you thought I was going to spend eternity in hell 
and didn't say anything to me. So I always felt like that was the right perspective to have on it. We're not out there trying to hate on anybody. We're trying to love on you, but you don't, they don't get that. And it's, it's frustrating at times that that's the case. And this seems to be another one of those cases, you know, saying that Jesus is the, is the way and is the only hope. That is something that a Christian's doing out of love to try to share the gospel with you. You don't have to agree with it. No one's hitting you over the head with a hammer. They're just simply stating a truth. And if you disagree with that, then okay, let's just move on with life. It feels like we've forgotten how to do that as a society. Well, I think it speaks to the hostility that we've the degree of hostility we've reached in our society that now simply stating scripture or stating something that's really a succinct, you know, summarization of scripture uh, is enough to get you canceled enough yeah. to get you potentially fired from your job enough to get you criticized on social media platforms. Even the the lawmaker we talked about last week, Pavi Rasanen from Finland uh, what is she brought up on charges for? Not for an opinion that people don't like, not for saying, you know, sh- you know, spouting off about something that has no foundation in anything. She was has has become the subject of so much criticism and is potentially facing jail time because she tweeted a Bible verse that had, yeah. that that talked about human sexuality and God's design for sexuality. So it's like the gloves are off now, I think, in our culture. We're no longer just going after people because we like it's not shrouded in, well, I don't like your opinion, and I think your opinion is hateful. It's you post a Bible verse, and I don't like that you're quoting a Bible verse, uh, so I'm going to go after you. Um, and one last thing I do want to note uh, about this particular story, this Ohio Right to Life story, is to the lawmaker's credit, uh, the Republican lawmaker, Miller's his last name, he did write uh, after all of this went down. He, he wrote in a brief statement, I posted something earlier talking about his criticism of Lizzie uh, that conveyed a message I did not intend. Uh, I will not try to hide my mistake or run from it. I sincerely apologize to Lizzie and to everyone who read my post. Now, nevertheless, it was too little, too late. The damage was already done. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to give him credit for at least having apologized. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was good to see the apology and good for him for doing that and owning up to it. And so, but like you said, oftentimes the first thing's the one that everybody sees and then the second thing, nobody sees it. But I think it's just a reminder that, hey, we've got to get back to being able to have disagreements and then be okay with that. You know, uh, the presidential candidate, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, I don't know how to say his name. I'll I'll never pronounce that thing right. Vivek, you can go with that. That's an easy one to say. (laughs) But he was out there and there was a great clip of him interacting with someone in the LGBT crowd. She asked a question. He completely disagreed with her, answered her question about the LGBT issue. And she said, hey, thanks. I appreciate your answer. And then they walked away their separate ways. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that again? I really yeah. miss those days <laughs> where yeah. you could just talk things out and realize maybe we're all not out, out to get each other. We just have differing opinions on things. So, Well, I think that's right. Like I can respect the dignity of a human being because you're a human being, which means you're made in God's image. But we don't have to agree on everything. But we've, we've so watered down what it means to tolerate one another. Yeah. Our secular culture has told us. Uh, that true tolerance is not just tolerance, but acceptance and loud advocacy for yeah. whatever whatever it is. Which that's <laughs> not that's not tolerance. Nope. I, you know, truly caring for somebody is. Look, I I vehemently disagree with the way you're living or what you're saying, but I love you because you're a human being. Yep. Uh, and and that to me is a richer love, right? That's a that's a more uh, 
impactful and I think sincere love than lying, right? And I, telling, yeah. oh, I agree. I agree with everything you're doing and support everything you're doing. Right. I'm an you ally know? out of just pure pressure because if if not, I'm going to get canceled on everything. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. insincere, inauthentic. And I Completely. think, and I think the pendulum is going to swing back to that eventually. I hope sooner than later because things are getting awfully crazy out there. But I appreciate you yep. bringing that story, putting that on our radar tray. And uh, that's going to leave us over to the main thing now. And a rabbi in Beverly Hills is under attack for holding prayer gatherings at his own home. First Liberty Institute sent a letter to Beverly Hills city officials urging them to withdraw their notice of violation against the rabbi in which threatens him with civil and criminal proceedings. Madison Seals talked to Ryan Gardner, who's counsel with First Liberty, about how they're fighting for the rabbi's constitutional rights. That's today's main thing. So Ryan, set the scene a little bit for those of us who aren't familiar with religious gatherings like Shabbat. What did these celebrations look like at Rabbi Alulian's house? Absolutely. So Rabbi, the rabbi hosts guests for Shabbat, which is we, we call the Sabbath also. It's the, this means the same thing. And it's basically a dinner gathering that is also mixed with prayer and study of the Torah and the like. I believe the expression that the rabbi has used is they are, he believe, has religious beliefs that he needs to make Shabbat a delight. And one of the ways that he does this is through hosting these kinds of gatherings. This whole tradition that the rabbi has started actually began to help meet the religious needs of an aging Holocaust survivor. And they're now seeking to carry on the legacy since then. And beyond that, the rabbi hosts prayer gatherings early in the morning. And the prayer gatherings are, are typically consisting of what is called a minion, or 10 Jewish males over the age of 13. And they're, they have to have a minion to do certain types of prayers within the Jewish faith. I'm glad you included the backstory about why he started these meetings in the first place, because it shows that the intentions were um, very humble and that he was just trying to keep them close to home to be able to support those who couldn't make it out to a church gathering or something that was further away. And then these gradually just grew and added more family and friends. So when did city officials begin to take notice of the celebrations and what was their reaction to it? Absolutely. And one thing just to hit on that that you mentioned is that family and friends is the key here. These events are not open to the general public. He's not advertising and just letting anybody off the street come in. To come into one of these gatherings, you have to be a guest. So that would be a, a family or a friend or a neighbor. And I also like that you, you hit on the need, meeting the needs of these people because, as you might be aware, on the Sabbath, uh, many Orthodox Jews cannot drive anywhere. And so having this location where, where it is is, again, just seeking to meet the needs of those around him in his community. So he did... he had these gatherings for months without any issues at all. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, a neighbor took notice and raised complaints with the city. And what the complaints were about were, I think can be summed up in complaining about parking, even though the parking is on a public street, complaining about noise, even though, again, we have no reason to believe that he is violating any noise ordinance at all, and the city has not argued that he has violated any noise ordinance and then complaining about trash. But the funny thing about the trash is they're complaining about a few extra bags of trash being in the receptacle in the alley. But that seems to have been what got the city's attention on this whole thing. And from there, the city launched an investigation 
spent about a month looking into it. And then they actually initially determined there was no violation here. There was nothing to see. They correctly recognized that the rabbi has constitutional rights to gather with others in his home for religious purposes. Unfortunately, this was short-lived because about a month after they reached that conclusion, neighbors continued to complain despite the city's finding. So the city reopened its investigation with renewed vigor and began to use more and more tactics that I can only describe as Orwellian. We're talking about multi-hour stakeouts outside of the rabbi's home for days and days on ends, seeing who was coming, who was going, taking photographs of parishioners as if they are engaging in some sort of serious criminal conduct. And from there, it increasingly escalated to the point where in June, the city sent a letter to the rabbi ordering him to cease and desist from having any religious gatherings with any non-residents going forward. So if the person does not live in the home, the city's position is the rabbi cannot do any religious activities with those people. And I imagine that while this is going on, that there's probably parties and other holiday gatherings or celebrations that are going on in this area. And I can't even imagine what it would feel like to have all the eyes on you and the government watching you specifically and your parties. So what does a notice of violation mean? And what kind of legal action can the city take if the celebrations did continue? Absolutely. And something that you said just brought to mind that I want to comment on. You're absolutely right that while the rabbi is doing this, this is Beverly Hills we're talking about. We're talking about mansions everywhere, parties, um, celebrations of all sorts, birthday parties, holiday parties, you name it. And I mean, even things like poker nights are regularly occurring in the same area. But the city, for whatever reason, is targeting the rabbi specifically. And I would say that they're persecuting him for his prayers. And so what the city did was send this letter that is basically threatening civil or criminal sanctions if he doesn't stop holding these religious gatherings in his home. They could seek civil fines of some sort, and, and also that they can even take him into court as a criminal and try to get a criminal conviction against him for holding these events. And that, that is what wow. their letter has said that they are prepared to do if the rabbi does not stop following his religious convictions. So can you summarize the letter that First Liberty filed on behalf of the rabbi defending his actions? Absolutely. So First Liberty sent a letter to the city last week telling them to withdraw that letter that they sent, that notice of violation, because it is an infringement of both the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and federal law. The First Amendment guarantees the rights of all people to have religious gatherings, especially within the home. The, the home is, special, is especially protected by the Constitution, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a man's home and him wanting to invite in family and friends to share in their religious traditions together. And it's not just a violation of the U.S. Constitution, though. It's also a violation of federal law. If you've ever heard of the, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, or ARLUPA, as we call it on shorthand, it, it doubly protects the rabbi's actions here, because that law basically says that you cannot use zoning ordinances like what the city is relying upon here to burden religion. Yeah, attacks like this on private citizens really just demonstrates how far our government has shifted away from faith and the celebration and recognition of different faiths to the point where people are punished for quietly practicing it, just like in this rabbi's situation. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to do it. it. It really is. 
And I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Here, the government is way off base, both in their application of the law and in their enforcement tactics. If you are surveilling a property just because there's religious use and taking photographs of parishioners, flying a drone over the property, th these are all in severely invasive tactics that are not only invading his privacy, but they are infringing upon his constitutional rights. And so First Liberty is in this fight. We are hopeful to reach a resolution for the, for the rabbi that will guarantee his freedom to continue practice, practicing his religion. And if you want to follow along for updates, people can always go to firstliberty.org to learn more about this case. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to share it with us today and for fighting for the rabbi's freedom as well. Absolutely. All right, Madison, thank you for bringing that conversation to us and talking about that issue. It's super important. I mean, th these are the sorts of things we've been talking about that keep popping up, popping up. The, sh the, the little shark bumps, right? A shark before it attacks, it bumps, 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 bumps to see if you're going to be a threat and then it'll attack. The, I think these are just more of those shark bumps where people are just testing, see how far they can go, you know, before the you know First Amendment isn't a thing anymore. So always good for first people like First Liberty who are on constantly on those stories and fighting back. So that's going to leave us with time for one last thing today. And we're going to take a look at Isaiah 26, 8, which reads, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you, your name and remembrance, are the desire of our soul. And key phrase there for me, Trey, we wait for you. And so many times we try to take matters into our own hands, but let's wait and see what the Lord has in store. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times more than taking action and moving ahead, waiting for the Lord takes mm -hmm. a whole lot of endurance yeah. and a whole lot of faith and trust in God. So super important thing to remember and also a, a thing to practice, right? You're not going to, you're not going to always do it right, right. but the Lord will, the Lord will meet you wherever you're at, including the seasons of waiting. Absolutely. All right. Great spot to leave it there on this Monday edition of the Quick Start Podcast. We are so grateful you're here. As always, don't forget to also visit cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.